Uh, good evening, everybody. Okay, well, what a difference a year makes. Uh, we're still on Zoom, but uh, Baruch Hashem, I think that we could think to ourselves that uh, the position that we find ourselves in now is certainly very different than, than what it was uh, last year at this time, and um, certainly have a lot more uh, calm, in hopefully, as was Hashem in our lives. And um, the, a lot of the uncertainty is is uh, no longer there. And our kids are in school. And uh, certainly for getting ready for Pesach, you can't beat that. So uh, we're once again going to uh, start going through um, this year, the next year. And uh, hopefully we'll see exactly how long it takes. This year we have an added... Uh, level of of uh, necessity to, to to learn a little bit more because this year we have an erev Pesach that falls out on Shabbos and there are a number of halachic uh, differences that that uh, come about because of that the the nature of uh, the timing of bedikas chametz uh, when we search for chametz how we get rid of our chametz how exactly we handle the necessary mitzvahs of Shabbos, when Shabbos ends up being Erev Pesach, uh, all of that is uh, are things that we're going to deal with. We'll deal with that as as we move on. Right now, um, we're going to prioritize the, the idea of cleaning for Pesach that, if you haven't uh, gotten going yet on that, there aren't so many uh, uh, shopping days left till Pesach, so you better, um, you know, it's actually, whatever you got... You, you, I th- in my mind, you have plenty of time, but the, but it's it's time to, to get cracking. So we're gonna um, first deal with those halachos, and then move forward into uh, the things that are uh, significant and different for this this year. So uh, with everything that we do, there is a sense of uh, prioritizing that we have to do, and uh, educated decisions that we have to make when it comes to pretty much anything that we do in life, and certainly when it comes to preparing for Pesach. One of the benefits that we have this year of uh, entering the Seder straight off of a Shabbos is that there isn't much you can do on Shabbos uh, other than rest and and relax and get ready for for the Sadarim. So in that respect, there is a a, a tremendous benefit in getting ready for the Sadarim. Uh, but it does leave us with, I guess, one less day of uh, of, of pre pre Pesach preparation, and uh, so so therefore we're going to uh, work on making sure that we are cleaning our homes in the most appropriate way po- appro- appropriate way uh, that uh, possible, while at the same time trying to maintain a sense of balance. If there's something that I think a lot of us have learned over the last year, is the importance of taking care of ourselves and making sure that we are able to function properly in our lives with uh, the other human beings that occupy it with us. And therefore, uh, we are going to focus on making sure that one has an absolutely 100% halachically kosher Pesach, while at the same time uh, trying to maintain that balance of, uh, of, of, uh, of, of human, humanhood and being, being, uh, being uh, people who can... Uh, Get a good night's sleep at night, and um, and and be able to to keep our our wits about us. So, uh, halacha number one, very important, is that one is only mechayiv, one is only required to rid themselves of chametz that is in a makom shemachnisim bo chametz that is in a place that one goes with chametz. So. In places that have not been moved in a year, in places that one never accesses with chametz, one is not required to check or clean. So there is no need to move bookcases, there is no need to move heavy pieces of furniture that one does not move on a regular basis or, or pretty much ever. And so therefore, all kinds of like the movement of, of furniture, 
th th those kinds of things are unnecessary. There's no badika necessary. There is no cleaning that is necessary in there. If uh, if the if the piece of furniture has been in place for 30 days plus, then there is no need to move them and there is no need to look or clean underneath them. So that is, that's number one. When we deal and talk about and think about places that have chametz, places that we have to worry about and care about, what exactly do we do in order to get rid of chametz? So this is something that, again, we review every year. Believe it or not, these halachos really don't change from year to year, uh, but it's, it's always very good to remind ourselves. There are two things that we do in order to make sure that we are not uh, going to transgress the iser of uh, of, of, uh, of, of owning chametz, of having chametz, and of chas v'shalom eating chametz, is that we do a bitl and a bedika. We do a bitl chametz in order to make sure that we are not in ownership of anything. And so one would say like, hey, wait a second. If I'm just doing bitl chametz, which is basically saying that any chametz that I possess becomes ownerless. I now make it, renounce it, renounce all ownership of it. And therefore... Got no problems. So why do we go and clean and search for chametz? The answer is because uh, if, if there is the possibility that when you said that, when you said, oh, I consider everything null and void and ownerless, well, really? Because did you realize that you owned, you know, fill in the blank, whatever that, that thing may be? There, there is the possibility that one may regret or may not have fully meant their declaration of the lack of ownership of their chametz. That's number one. Number two is, a person is so used to having chametz and being able to access the chametz and eat the chametz, a person may find chametz, may stumble on a, a pretzel, a bag of pretzels, uh, you know, some snack, and not just not realize or not remember or space out from the fact that it is Pesach and end up eating it. So in order to make sure that those things don't happen, we are also required to do a badika. We are also required to do a search for chametz. And when we clean for chametz, that's really an extended badika. What we're really doing is we're taking badika's chametz and we're saying, okay, it's, it's, it doesn't really count as the badika, but we're saying we're making sure that we are not going to have chametz around in our possession or even around and not in our possession, that we may come to, by mistake, pop into our mouths. That's the point of the, the, the hunting for and, and cleaning uh, that, that we do. So therefore, and it's not good enough to do a badika, it's not good enough to just make sure that we don't have chametz by searching our homes for it, because what if you miss something? Inevitably, there's probably some place that you didn't really look 100% or somebody's going to drop something there after you think you're, you're done with it. And that may come to uh, create a problem. So therefore, we do both things. We do the digas chametz, a search for chametz and cleaning, uh, cleaning, getting rid of chametz, and also a bittel and also a renouncing of any kind of ownership of the chametz. And that, I'm not even talking about at this point, the kitchen and the sensitivity we have to the possibility of chas v'shalom ingesting chametz, which is a whole other set of problems. So, when we are looking around our homes, and uh, so, so then what we are looking for is either a kezayis of chametz, something that is about the size of a teaspoon, or something even smaller that is edible, and, you know, with the possibility that you might pop it into your mouth. So, if a little kid finds a Cheerio or a pretzel, they may come to eat it. It's not a kezayis, it's not the, the size of an olive, it's not the size of, of the, the top of a teaspoon, but at the same time, it is does have something that, that with the possibility of eating it. So therefore, a person, what, what, what we are supposed to do is to go through our homes, and again, go through the areas that are accessed. If, if a person, if you're afraid that somebody may have kicked something underneath uh, underneath your couch or underneath your refrigerator, and and uh, so therefore, do you have to move it just in case that may have happened? The answer is, uh, if 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 whatever that piece of furniture is has not been moved in thirty days, and you have absolutely no sense that anybody is going to go and reach under it for any reason during Pesach, then there's no need to do anything about it. So a refrigerator, I would say. 
uh, likelihood is that it hasn't been moved. Likely is that it's not going to be moved. And even if some piece of Lego gets knocked under it, uh, chances are it's going to wait uh, at least till after Pesach till somebody tries to go and fish it out. Therefore, it doesn't matter that there may be a bunch of uh, you know a, a bunch of stuff underneath it. It is not a place that one is required to look. When you make a bittel chametz, when you say that your chametz is nullified and ownerless, that stuff is gone. If it's let's say under a couch or under an easy chair, so if kids are likely to go and start fishing for stuff underneath it, then it might be a good idea to clean it out. Because again, what we're trying to do is we're trying to uh, create a situation that is in a sense foolproof, in a sense that even if you make everything ownerless, even if you're not technically required to do badika, we don't want a situation in which kids are going to go grab something and um, and and, uh, and and pop it uh, into one's mouth. So, um, so that is uh, that's what we're looking for, and um, and and uh, small pieces, tiny pieces, uh, or crumbs or anything like that, not a big deal. So of course, and, and you know, I'm not uh, I'm not advocating for not sweeping the floor or not uh, not vacuuming. But if you think about it, the need to vacuum multiple times in any given room is really it's it's just not necessary because anything that is not visible to the naked eye is not in an obvious is not is not in a relatively accessible place, and. It, it, it's, it's just not something that is uh, is that that we have a concern about the ownership of because we're going to declare everything ownerless, and as far as the the, the somebody's going to pop it into their mouth, most people don't reach around the baseboards of a house and try to you know pull out little crumbs and pop them into their mouth. So so therefore that's not something that we have much of a concern about. Uh, where if somebody has little kids around. A smart thing to do would be to give them snacks that are kidneyos. To give them snack kidneyos are different types of things that uh, Ashkenazim have a minhug, different uh, forms of beans and rice uh, that that Ashkenazim have a, a a minhug that has the force of halacha, not to eat on Pesach. Ownership of them is fine, even if by mistake it gets eaten, not the absolute end of the world, like eating car, uh, eating chametz is uh, something that one is high of curries for. Uh, the kidney certainly does not fall under that, that level, and uh, it getting mixed into food is also not from the biggest deals in the world. So, uh, so therefore, that to give rice cakes or, or the like to, to, uh, to children, that is, uh, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a pretty good idea. Okay, so that basically covers bedrooms, uh, living room, even playroom. Uh, people always ask about cleaning toys. So again, you you have you have a, a, a tub of Lego. A good way to clean it would be um, dump it all out. That's always quick. And then just like just pick it all up and put it back in. As you're picking it up and putting it back in, you will see: Are there large Cheerios? Are there uh, you know whole pretzels? Are there things that a kid might come and by mistake pop into their mouth? If there are, remove them. If there aren't, you're good to go. Same thing with board games and all those kinds of things. Not These things are not things that you, you do not have to take a wet towel and wipe anything down. You don't have to throw it into, uh, you know, put it in a mesh bag and throw it, run it through the laundry, uh, put it into bathtubs. All that stuff, it's, that, that is totally unnecessary. And in fact, um, most board games, uh, studies show that most board games remain on a shelf for about 365 days of a year. Therefore, if that's the case in your house, then there's certainly no need to, to do any kind of cleaning of, of board games at all, because if you know the kids aren't going to play with it, so then what's the concern already? Any little things that may be in there, and even if somebody does end up pulling out the game next, uh, you know, next Hanukkah, okay, you're going to throw out whatever's in there, whatever garbage, uh, you know, the chametz that may have been left for who, who knows how long. There's no concern that somebody's going to go and grab it, because it's not being played with on... Pesach, and you've made it ownerless. So therefore, uh, there really isn't a tremendous concern in that regard. So again, uh, all kinds of, of, of playrooms and in living rooms, those kinds of areas, one can just be, you know, give, give make sure that the, 
the, the, that there are no larger pieces or, or anything like that of, of chametz, that there aren't any, aren't any larger um, uh, 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 edible pieces of chametz that kids can and likely will access and then perhaps space out and put in their mouth. We don't, exp- you know, obviously we, we understand that kids know about Pesach, but they, they, they even they have the potential to, uh, by mistake, space out and do things. So therefore, um, those areas, uh, they, they just have to get the kind of treatment where you're getting rid of the, the major stuff, you're getting rid of stuff that's obvious, and all kinds of crumb, uh, looking for crumbs, the idea of, of uh, and, and again, I'm, I'm only, I, I know about these ideas because, you know, in my youth, um, uh, I think a lot of, a lot of people my age were, 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 um, exposed to this form of, uh, of, of modern day torture that somehow was not covered by, um, by any of the, uh, UN accords, but, but, uh, you know, vacuuming out drawers and things like that, totally unnecessary, uh, uh it's, it's, uh, you know, just open it up, look in it, if you don't see any large pieces of chametz, you're good to go. Okay. So that covers, that basically covers like the, the, the main parts of our homes, the, the, you know, again, in kind of living room, basement, um, all those, all those areas, that is what we're doing. That's what we're looking for. And, and, uh, that, that's, that's the extent of that. So the kitchen, however, is a different, uh, it's a whole different animal. It's, 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 it's got a whole different nature to it. And here's why. When it comes to the ingestion of chametz, ingesting chametz is something that is usher, that is forbidden even to have the smallest, tiniest amount of it. Even the, the, the smallest amount of chametz, if one ingests it, they are messing with something that is absolutely forbidden from the Torah, from, from, from a biblical perspective, and it is something that has a, a, a quite a harsh punishment. And the, the issue is that when it comes to chametz, when it comes specifically to something that is chametz, there is no bittel. There is no concept of bittel. There is no concept of something becoming lost in or overwhelmed by having so many other things that are kosher uh, uh, mixed with it and surrounding it. So, for instance, uh, if a person has an issue that they that they think that they have a huge pot of chicken soup and they're not sure if a little fleck of milk may have you know uh, you know sloshed out of their coffee cup and gone in there, will say and generally that that such a thing is going to be bottled. That if you have sixty times more uh, chicken soup than than the little drop of milk, we can just act like it's not there anymore that something becomes so powerfully overwhelmed by the majority of the chicken soup that the milk, it's like it doesn't exist. So that is something that applies to just about everything that that we deal with in our world that is forbidden, that is also for us to eat, except chametz. Chametz is different. Two reasons are given. One is that there is a chi of karis, that there is a that there is a, a, a punishment of karis for somebody who ingests it. That's one possibility of why it is has such a strict halacha. The other is because it is a dover shiyeshlo matirin, which is a concept that, that basically means that something that is only forbidden for a specific or given amount of time and not for ever. So that that is something and, and therefore, it returns to becoming mutter. It's able to become permitted again. That is something that uh, becomes bottle. That is something that cannot become bottle. That's something that, that is not able to, despite the, the, the minute amount of it that there may be, it's not something that we ever consider as disappearing because uh, it's, it's so uh, tremendously overwhelmed in numbers. So in the kitchen, what our fear is, is that there's a small, small, tiny amount of chametz somewhere, and the, the kitchen is the place where chametz is at. And if that would mix with our food, and then we would potentially ingest that, we were that that that's what we are trying to avoid. So therefore, this the level of sensitivity we have to the possibility of chametz is much much stronger. That being said, you have to be think that. We're, what we're worried about is the potential of these minute amounts mixing into our food. So therefore, 
even though, and we go through this every year, even though there may be grime and there may be stuff, there may be little chametz, uh, you know, crumbs that are stuck in the cracked grout of the kitchen floor, assuming that that is not where you dip any of your food at any point in time, and you are not going to ingest anything that touches that, you don't have to worry about it. We're not worried about it existing. We're worried about the potential of it mixing. And being that we have the wonderful law of gravity, therefore, um, generally, the things that are on the floor stay there, and, and, and th things that are down low like that stay down low, and therefore, one does not really have to super worry about that. So again, like the floor of a kitchen, uh, it may be the time that you feel like this is the time to... Uh, to, to you know, make your uh, make your floor all shiny and, and, and new. That's that's a nice thing to do, but um, it really doesn't have much to do with cleaning uh, for Pesach. It doesn't really have much to do with chametz. So, uh, and again, this is what we do every year: is that we're going to go through. There are actually a couple of new little new nuances that uh, that that I uh, discovered this year um, to to throw in over here. But uh, we're just going to go through the different parts of the kitchen and what one has to do in order to uh, clean them properly. So, uh, number one, we'll start with the fridge and the freezer. Now, before, uh, before I, I enter the actual fridge and freezer, not that I'm entering them, but before we talk about them, uh, one halacha is important. If there is chametz, if there is something that is chametz, and for whatever reason, we do not have the ability to actually get rid of it in its entirety. One possibility that we have is to make it something that even a dog would not eat. That when we reduce something to being so inedible that even an animal wouldn't eat it, that becomes something that just doesn't count anymore as being chamit. The The way to do that and pretty much exclusively the way to do it is to use something that is frankly poisonous and in doing so we make it no longer edible we make it no longer edible for anything so the and and we we luckily most of us uh have handy poison all over our homes and it's called cleaner and any kind of of a uh, bleach cleaner any kind of cleaner that has uh dangerous chemicals, which a lot of them have, that would be something that would be able to render chametz that you can see and that you can touch, but for whatever reason you can't get rid of, it would be able to render it uh, something that would become no longer edible uh, for, for anything. Once it hits that stage of not edible at all in any way, shape, or form for any living thing, and again, it's not that you think that uh, it, it, it's it's that it, it has to be you know this with this 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 uh, this condition of using something that's that's basically poisonous. Once a person does that, then you do not have to worry about that chametz anymore. That is that is considered to be is rendered to be nothing, even if it would fall into your food. Um, hopefully, you'd survive, and uh, and uh, and but you you would not have to worry about the spiritual impact. Um, of of eating such such a thing. Okay, so as we go through different parts of the kitchen, I'm going to reference this idea of you could just spray it and forget it. And in doing so, I'm not talking about spraying some kind of vinegar cleaner, which uh, ironically may actually just be spritzing chametz all over everything. But I'm I'm referring to uh, spraying something that has some kind of bleach or ammonia or some other harsh chemical that would be uh, that, that would be considered poisonous. So a fridge and a freezer should be cleaned thoroughly. Al pi halacha, from a halachic perspective, shelf lining is basically not necessary. Um, it is not a horrible idea. It's not a bad idea. Uh, if you're going to actually ruin your fridge, it is a horrible idea. But uh, assuming that you're going to be able to keep ventilation going through your fridge, your fridge really only has one place that, that, that and freezer, only have one place that like shoot out air. You're, the, the idea is that the air is circulating throughout the whole thing. So if you're going to put 
um, some kind of shelf liner down, make sure that, that the air has room to travel between, uh, you know, where, where, wherever it's able to travel now, between the shelves, etc. Make sure that the, that, that the, the air is able uh, to circulate it. There is certainly no reason to cover the sides of a refrigerator uh, in any way, shape, or form. The, 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 the one halachic reason that one would have to actually line a refrigerator is if you always put very hot things into the fridge. So if you would put hot things down on a shelf that were chametz stick, and then you would afterwards go and put something very hot down that was Pesach thick, and there would have to be a couple of, of other problems that would be thrown into the mix, that could potentially create some kind of kosherous issue. As a general rule, just from a health perspective, most people do not put smoking hot things into or directly into a freezer or a refrigerator. And if you can just not do it over Pesach, then uh, then you, you would avoid any kind of halachic problem like that. So again, a lot of people do have a minhug to, uh, to, to line the shelves. That is definitely a thing to do, but it is not a necessary thing to do. Uh, in hard to get to areas, you do not have to drive yourself crazy with the with the toothpicks and with the, all that stuff. You can just spray it and forget it. Um, even if it would end up falling into your food somehow, it would be okay. Even if it's a crumb, even if it's whatever it is, you don't have to you don't have to worry about that. Um, and it, so that would be basically the interior. So again, you're trying to uh, just clean it well, get rid of uh, get get rid of as many crumbs as you can. Uh, spray the rest um, and uh, to, to assure that nothing uh, gets into your food. And if even if it does, it wouldn't be a big deal. Make sure that you are not going to break your refrigerator. That would be, Pesach is expensive enough. There's no sense in throwing in another, uh, you know, a few hundred bucks for that. That, that, would be, that would be wasteful. And as far as the handles are concerned, so again, um, it, 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 one can spray them uh, with, again, a caustic cleaner. And then any kind of residue that may be on them uh, that, that could get onto your hands is considered non-chametz. Um, a lot of people will cover the handles. Both, both methods are fine. The, the, the idea is, and again, it's, it's, there's not a lot of, um, of true halachic knowledge that's necessary here. It's that you kind of have to use, you kind of have to just think about it. Uh, a person's hands. If a person's running around in the kitchen and they're touching the, the 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 you know the handle of this cabinet and then the handle of the refrigerator and then the handle of of the and then they're sticking their hands into food. So you just want to make sure that all of those areas are really totally and completely chametz free, because those are the sensitive areas that are going to really and truly end up in your food. Okay, the oven. So we will talk about the stovetop first, and then we will get into the interior of the oven. So stovetops. If one has a gas stovetop that has just the regular classic old uh, uh, stovetop where there's, um, um, yeah, it has grates, uh, and, and then it has the, the, the little thingy where the fire comes out of, the grates are things that would be um, the two possible uh, very, very efficient methods of koshering them, and it would really clean and kosher at the same time. One is to put it into a self-cleaning oven and, and let it rip. That, that's, that's one way to go. The other is to put it underneath a blech and turn the fire on high for 10 to 15 minutes. That would be also a way of koshering the entire the entire grate. Um, How it, long, Rabbi? 10 to 15 minutes. 15? 10, 15. It's all good. Oh, okay. It is, um, it is, um, uh, it, one should be careful. It is, it really is a fire hazard to, to, to have something um, so, so super hot uh, going for extended periods of time in one's home. Uh, therefore, you, you got to be careful. And the, the, the smart way to do it, it seems, is to just do, um, you know, a burn one burner at a time, maybe two burners at a time. You do not want to, to you know, to, to have the, the blech fall apart. You do not want to have your house fall apart. Um, uh, that that's that. These are the, so so. Just be careful about that. Um, the 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 thing in the middle that the fire comes out of that pretty much self kosher also. If you, if you feel like it's dirty, you can just clean it. But nothing new needs, nothing different needs to be done to it. 
The drip pans, um, basically, uh, there are those. Some people replace them. Uh, most people say that all you got to do is clean them. Uh, covering them uh, is not is is not necessary. It's it's really not necessary to to cover them. Um, the rest of the stovetop. So now there there are there are two types of of gas stovetops, of standard gas stovetops, I should say, that I am familiar with. Um, some of them just have like the the classic four or even five burners with like a grate over each one of them. So in that situation, just by turning on that burner with the blech over it, so you are kashering um, the burner, the grate around it, uh, any other open area of stovetop that's just surface area. So what you do is you just uh, you, you double cover that with foil. You put two layers of foil on that. Let's say you have the in-between area. Let's say you have the classic four, um, four things. So then in the middle area, you just cover it with foil. The basic idea being that that area that is in between all the burners is not really kosherable. And you don't want anything to touch it, and then you want then and then have to use it. So um, by double covering it, you are creating a, enough of a barrier that would something fall, would a would a frying pan you know touch that, it, it wouldn't be a big deal. It wouldn't be um, a problem. Um, if you have if you have a if you have uh, like a, a situation where you have the whole thing is is all um, is all great. That 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 it's continuous grade over the whole thing, and you have you know four or five whatever it is, um, uh, burners. So then the thing to do would be uh, to, that then then you don't really have to worry about the 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 bottom of it. You basically need to kosher all of the grates. That's what pots are going to touch. That's and 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 that's it. That's it. you just you kosher the the grates, and you can forget about what's going on um, underneath it. Um, when it comes to the the knobs, those are things that there's no koshering that takes place on a knob. You clean them with uh, you know with some sort. Of, again, you have to you should clean them well. They they are often uh, things that hang out kind of above uh, uh, that, that 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 could be above ish uh, you know a pot or right next to a pot. You want to clean them very well with a caustic cleaner. Make sure that if anything's on it or in it, um, it gets killed. Um, some people cover them. Not necessary. But it's something that that can be done. Um, the Rabbi, you would use a chametz dikablech to burn the stovetop. Either way, either way, it's the the blech will be kashered by the time that thing is done. So, um, the backsplash um, is also something that requires um, heavy duty cleaner on it in order to uh, just in case anything is is attached to it, is adhering to it you're going to make sure that that stuff is deemed totally and completely um, not, not, uh, not, not, not edible, inedible to, to anything, even to an animal, and you are good to go. Um, and we remind everyone every single year that there is a vent somewhere in the back of your oven, somewhere on top of your oven. There is a vent um, that is letting out uh, steam from the interior of the oven. A lot of times it'll come out nowadays on the one of the back burners. Uh, one must be very, very careful not to cover it. If you cover it, that is a very, very dangerous thing to do. So first of all, do not cover it. And second of all, just as a general cautious reminder that anything that you put on top of that vent, so it could, uh, the, the steam coming out of the oven, if you have, um, a, you know, meat cooking in the oven and... Uh, there's a lot of steam coming out, and and it, and you have a kettle sitting on top of that back burner, and the, the kettle is going to get hot. It is also going to get flashix. So you have to be careful. Monitor where that vent is. So number one, kosher's reasons. Just be aware. Don't don't just leave things hanging around on top of it. And number two, uh, you have to be uh, be aware of where it is. Do not cover it, no matter you know how much uh, foil you want to use. That is not something that you want to, to do. Um, if one has a standard electric, old-school stovetop, so then, again, you're dealing with four coil uh, thingies that are, um, you know, that, 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 you know, one, two, three, four. Um, so the way you, you clean those, you, you can remove those coils, clean them well, um, turn them on until they glow, 
about 10 minutes. Um, just leave it for 10 minutes, each one. Uh, again, you don't necessarily have to do all of them at the same time. Turn them on until they glow. Then they those basically self cashew themselves. And then all of the, the, the drip pans, again, do not require covering. Some people will just use different ones for Pesach, or you can just clean them and use the same ones. And cover the 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 surface in between the in between all the burners just cover that with a double layer of of uh, a foil that is that that that's how one deals with that um and then we always talk about the glass and ceramic stovetops so now actually i discovered that there is something to deal with this. There, there, there is a little bit. I mean, it's not. It's not. It's still a little bit imperfect, but it just makes life a little bit easier. So, um, the 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 issue is as follows: in to to kosher the area directly above the burner, very doable. You turn on the burner. I mean, you you clean it very 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 well. You turn on the burners, and then the area that glows becomes koshered. However, the problem is, what do you do about the middle areas? What do you do about the, all the in-between areas? And it's much more of an issue on a glass or ceramic stovetop than on other stovetops. Why? Because if your pot is wider than the, the, the circle with the, the, the glowing circle, then that means that your pot is going to be boiling hot on an area that was not kosher. If there's a spill and the spill um, is, you know, creates some wetness, that is, you know, touching your pot and also touching this non-koshered area of the stovetop, that is going to create a connection of not kosher stuff, not, not kosher Pesach stuff to your pot. So what's, the, and, and to cover that area, the, you know, like the way we cover other stovetops, also not an etza, not, not, a, not something to do because there is, since it's glass and ceramic, there is the strong potential that it will crack because of the intense heat that, that, that becomes contained underneath the glass. So what can one do? So we always say, go find yourself a way of getting metal discs and put them under and put them on top of the burner area. So you have like, you know, the circle that's the burner. So take a metal disc and put it on top of that. Put the pot on top of the metal disc. It's then raised up slightly from the glass stovetop. Therefore... You don't have to worry that it juts out over the sides. It's not touching the actual glass um, that, that, that hasn't been kashered. And even if there's a spill, that spill's not going to come and be in contact with your pot. So the idea of finding um, uh, metal discs was always kind of like this strange thing. And uh, Mrs. Wax always had a place that, 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 can, uh, you know, that, 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 that she said could do it. But there is something called a stovetop heat diffuser. Stovetop heat diffuser, three words, uh, you go on Amazon, and you can find these things, and basically, it is, I don't know what, what exactly the point of it is, I don't, I don't, I didn't read it uh, carefully enough to find out why they have these things, but I know why, I know really why they have these things, so that people can have a kosher Pesach, uh, uh, a kosher Pesach with a glass stovetop, so, yeah, it seems that they they sell these things that are basically metal discs that fit on top of the, the, the burner area. So all you got to do is do that, and then you are good to go. Um, the grate on a, on a gas or uh, on, a, on a glass stovetop, if you have grates um, that, that sit on top of it, which, which uh, apparently there is such a thing, so then um, you, you have to be careful, again, not to crack the glass, Put the grates into a self-cleaning oven, um, uh, and, uh, and and you know the, the glass itself isn't going to be kashered, and um, and and then that's not going to be um, uh, and and so, so therefore anything that falls on that um, you do not want um, to use. Um, somebody asked if plastic wrap can be used to cover the buttons on the back of a stove. Um, uh, the on the, the, um, uh, it, it would probably it would probably actually melt uh, onto the. Um, Probably actually melt. Probably not not necessarily a a good idea from from that perspective. Um, but uh, again, it's not necessary. All you have to do is just clean it well, and then you don't have to worry about that. Just use an an, an abrasive cleaner, and there's no need to to actually cover it. Um, there's something called an induction cooktop. So I don't really know. Um, I I mean I've heard of it. 
I don't really know what it is. If you got one of those, so what you have to do is you have to wait 24 hours and then remove, you, 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 you clean that the, the cooktop piece well. They are apparently removable. You clean it very well, you wait 24 hours, and then you pour boiling hot water over it. Um, and whatever these things are, you are not allowed to ever use them on Shabbos or Yom Tov. Um, okay, so that basically covers, I believe, the top of the oven. Uh, warming areas. Uh, a lot of times, uh, nowadays, um, some uh, uh, stove tops have areas that are designed to keep things warm. Those basically are not really kosherable. They don't get hot enough to be able to, to actually kosher them. So those things should be cleaned and covered with a double layer of foil, and you can't use them as uh, you can't use them for that purpose. They just got to be there. That's it. Um, the interior of an oven. What does one do with the interior of one's oven? So, if you have a self-cleaning oven, good for you. That's the way to go. Uh, it's the easiest. It's the simplest. It is the most halachically um, uh, perfect, and um, we, we there were a f it was a few years ago that uh, that someone came up with the idea that that uh, that there were certain self cleaning ovens I believe the brand was KitchenAid at the time um, but it was a number of years ago um, that that uh, that the self clean cycle didn't really get hot enough um, according to many postgim the the self clean cycle has to get to at least seven hundred degrees Fahrenheit in order for it to count as a true kashering. And basically what self-clean does is self-clean is considered libun, which means that it is the equivalent of taking a, a blowtorch to the area and anything that has been absorbed in the interior of the oven is burnt out of it. So aside from cleaning the interior of your oven, it also kashers the interior of your oven, assuming it gets that hot. There are, nowadays, there's something called Aqualift. There are other types of steam cleaning uh, ovens. Those are not considered self-cleaning oven from this halachic perspective. So it, it may actually clean your oven. That's fine, and that's in, in, in good for you for having an oven that is clean, but it is not yet kashered. So when we talk about a self-cleaning oven, we mean an old-school, gets-really-hot, self-cleaning oven. What one has to do is... You, the, the, there is an absolute must. The door and the frame around the door, that does not get, as a general rule, it does not get to the necessary uh, heat in order, to it to, in order for it to be considered fully and completely kashered. Therefore, uh, you do have to easy off the door. So you spray easy off, uh, get the type of easy off that is good for self-cleaning ovens, and use easy off you you scrub it if at any point when dealing with uh, using stuff like easy off if any point if you have applied easy off twice and there is a stain that you cannot get out that thing is as good as dead it didn't get more dead than that and therefore you don't have to worry about it anymore you don't have to well, you do not have to um, scrub your, your you know your oven until it loses all of its uh, shine and everything like that you really just have to do a double application of the easy off and then you can assume that whatever's there is no longer um, anything to worry about so after spraying the door and cleaning it with um, with e with easy off yes and you use the easy off even on the doors of the ovens that get to 700 degrees it the the door is something that in regardless of what kind of oven you have always needs to be sprayed so this so and it's the door and it's really around the gasket area. Just make sure, make sure to spray that up, okay? Spray that up well, and 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 try to get off what you can. Then after that, you run the easy, you you run the self-clean cycle. Um, there are a lot, ovens usually have they give you everything. They give you an options for so you can have a two-hour, a three-hour, a four-hour. Just take the longest cycle and run it once, and whammo, you're done. That's it. There are poskim who say that one should cover the door, that the door, uh, the door itself should be covered with foil. There are those that do that. There are many who say that it is not necessary. Rabbi Zatzal held that it was unnecessary. Um, Rabbi First, uh, uh, um, Lahavdil, 
um, uh, held holds that it is not necessary. Um, uh, one does not. Do you need to wait 24 hours after using Ezra from the door for self-cleaning the oven? No, you don't. Um, don't worry about that. Um, and that is that. That's the um, um, that 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 is what we do with the self-cleaning oven. Okay. Um, and and now a standard oven. A standard oven. I do not believe is any more considered standard. But a, a an oven that that's just what they call it. You know. So uh, an oven that does not have uh, that does not have um, uh, a, a super duper hot self clean cycle. So and again that could be talking about uh, the aqualift. That could be talking about um, you know steam cleaning. All so, so all those are just considered ovens that do not have a a halachic self clean uh, cycle. What does one do for those? So step one. Um, is that you have to clean it very well with a caustic cleaner. So if you happen to have a self uh, a, a steam clean oven, if you have one of those ovens, and it's able to get your oven absolutely pristine, if you are able to, you know, take a little, um, uh, um, uh, you know, dish soap and a toothbrush, and you're able to go through the entire interior of your oven and get it clean, you know, uh, you know, if, if you're convinced that it's clean, that's that's okay. Um, the the the, uh, the 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 safer thing to do, I would say, just to be sure that you have gotten every nook and cranny, is to use something like Easy Office to use a caustic cleaner. You use it very well. Again, double up on very bad spots, and then forget about them. And then what one so one cleans it. You wait 24 hours. Don't use it for 24 hours. Then you either put it on broil in a gas oven or you put it on the highest temperature, which is about 550 in, usually 550 in an electric oven. Um, and then, uh, and you have to run it that way. So there are different shiurim of how long one has to keep it that way. There are those that say 45 minutes. Rav Forsheimer in Lakewood says that when if one is doing this, they should leave the oven on for two hours. But uh, whichever way, again, that's, it's, they're, they're all, in my mind, um, acceptable ways of doing this. Um, that is, uh, that, 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 that's what um, one should do. There is um, an absolute chiyuv for one to wait 24 hours. Um, uh... Uh, somebody said, if self in in the self cleaning situation, there is no need to wait twenty four hours. In the non self cleaning situation, then you do wait twenty four hours. Um, in now the racks, the racks are important. Um, one has to so in a self cleaning oven, the racks get self cleaned with the oven, and again they're good to go. You don't have to do anything to them. When it comes to a non self cleaning oven. The racks are a little bit more touchy. Rav Shmuel Kamenetsky Shlita holds. Rav Shmuel Kamenetsky holds that if you used it for um, for for chametz, if you had chametz directly on it, then um, you should be um, then then you should get somehow get them self cleaned. The the way to do that would be to to ask your friend who does have a self cleaning oven, or even if they're not your friend, you ask someone else with a self cleaning oven if if you can um, borrow. Or use there and, and stick your racks in there. That would be one way to do it. Um, and uh, the, the, I believe that the star K holds that that's not necessary, but it, it is a recommended thing to do. That is, if you put chametz directly down on the racks of your oven, if you put challah down or something like that on, on the racks of your oven, and you do not have a self-cleaning oven, then it would be a very good idea to make sure that your racks do get self-cleaned. Otherwise, you definitely have to clean them super, super well. Um, uh, with uh, you know, with again, with a with a caustic cleaning. Um, so again, people uh, keep writing me the same basic question. Um, the, the 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 do not uh, as far as the self cleaning oven is concerned. Um, even though we we do require a cleaning of the door, a physical clean, cleaning of the door. Um, I believe that the twenty four hour wait is not necessary for before self cleaning the oven. Even though we are cleaning the door with the easy off it's i understand why people are asking the question um but it's so therefore in the self-cleaning oven don't worry about the 24 hours in the other ovens do worry about the the, the 24 hours that is very necessary um 
a convection oven um, that that does not have self-clean cycle. So again, we always talk about this that they say that while the fan is spinning, you spray it with Easy Off, and then you do 550 for 45 minutes. But I take no responsibility for what happens to you if such a thing is done. I do not know what happens when you spray a fan with Easy Off. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, don't, I can guess what happens, but I don't know what happens. Um, the broiler. So the broiler of an oven is not something that we really kosher. Um, if you like to use your broiler, whatever, it's just eight days. Um, and uh, so, so basically, you clean clean it thoroughly. There's no need to actually kosher the 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 broiling the broiler area in an oven. Um, something that I saw also is that there's something called a sensi temp burner. So if somebody has something like that, there's also there is a way of of uh, of of koshering that that the Star K um, mentions. Um, if somebody has it, um, you know, it's, I, I'm not exactly sure what it is. Um, the, the okay, the, the a grill. So um, and people ask me this from from time to time. A grill is something that is kosherable technically. Uh, one would have to take the the um, take take the, the the surface of the grill, like where you put the food, and and any other serve and, and even the edge of the of of where the of of where the you know the food sometimes touches, like the edge of the actual you know big you know a piece of grill, and 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 uh, you would have to have charcoal on on top of that and underneath it and light it on fire and let it burn for a long time. Basically, you have to perform a libun, you have to perform a full-fledged libun, getting that, getting the, the whole grill to, again, well over 700 degrees in order for it to be properly kashered. Um, the, 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 the ways I have it, the, the ways I've always seen it described, just make it seem to be um, an extremely uh, difficult and tedious process that does not seem to be um, worthwhile. Um, if someone has a has a shyla about that, or somebody, you know, we can uh, talk about it offline um, about how to do that. Um, a sous vide is not kosherable; is not considered a kosherable appliance. Um, a dehydrator is also not considered kosherable, nor is a warming drawer. Those are things that are not considered to be um, uh, kosherable. Um, Okay, so, so let me just get to oven hoods. So the area immediately above the stovetop and oven hood, so um, it is, the, the, so again, our sensitivity is that we are afraid that something, chametz stick, even the most minute amount, may actually fall into our food. There is, there is perhaps uh, no more sensitive area than the area directly above the pots and the frying pans that we use on our stovetop. So that hood right above it is a very sensitive area. Um, in there are so there are two things you can do. One can either clean it and clean it very very well. If I remember correctly, um, I think Mrs. Margulis, the Mrs. Margulis method of cleaning that grate that's on top over there is that you take a uh, a pan of of uh, uh, Windex and. I think, and you put the um, and you you put the, the those filter things that they have on top of over there. You stick them in there. You leave them overnight, and by the next morning they are uh, they are like like brand new, um, and you've killed everything that's in it, and you've totally cleaned it without any kind of scrubbing. Um, uh, but again, you have to make sure that you get that entire area absolutely clean, so that there are no uh, tiny drops that fall down. If, and again, it's it's a matter of cleaning, and then it's a matter of just using some kind of bleach thing to make sure that just in case, um, you know, just in case there's something that, uh, ammonia, sorry, okay, um, just in case there's something that, that does not, um, that, that, that you can't clean, it, it becomes something that, that, is, uh, that, that becomes totally inedible, and, uh, and that, that's the goal. Um, and then many say that you that 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 many like to cover that area in a certain way the simplest thing to do just from a simplicity standpoint is to take foil and to cover that um, to cover that area so so just to make it inaccessible um, and and nothing that is uh, inside the foil is going to be able to fall out and into your food but again different people have different
different ways, different different ways that their kitchens are shaped and different uh, uh, um, uh, sensitivities about how they like to have foil hanging out on top of their on, on over their stovetop. So you can either totally clean it and make sure to spray it with some sort of uh, caustic cleaner or um, or cover it. Uh, when it Rabbi, comes, to, uh, yeah. Rabbi, I, I have I don't have a vent or hood. I just have cabinets that are on top of the uh, oven. So either either spritz them up good or cover them. Your your call. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then. Oh wow, it's late. Okay, nine fifteen. Okay, I know people probably want to uh, say to him. We'll just end over here with microwaves. Okay, microwaves. Um, so. There's, there's a big machlokus about ha- koshering a microwave, whether a microwave is really a kosherable um, uh, appliance for Pesach. My recommendation, my personal recommendation is, is I am not a, I'm not a humongous fan of the concept of koshering a microwave uh, for Pesach. We generally, the interior of a microwave is generally um, plastic. That's not something that we... That, that we um, that even when even though we do usually well, we will usually kasha that during the year for Pesach. Most of the mekilim, most of the, those that hold that it was, it's allowed to be kashered during the rest of the year, are not happy with doing so for Pesach. So I'm not a tremendous proponent of it, especially given that you can probably get a cheap microwave for twenty thirty bucks. And if if a microwave, if you are uh, you know a microwave kind of kind of family, so then you can go ahead and get a microwave. But, uh, but you know, maybe just it pays to invest one year and then just have it on a countertop microwave for Pesach and just, and just have it that way. It's not so many, not so many days that you can really use it anyway. Um, but, uh, but, if, but uh, you know, again, there are postcom that, that hold that it can be done. If you check out the CRC um, and uh, I believe the OU, they both uh, give ways of, of being able to kosher a microwave. Okay, so you know something? So we're going to hold it over here. And we will pick up with sinks and uh, Hagalah uh, Be'ezras Hashem on Tuesday night. Uh, same time and same channel. Okay, if anybody has any questions, you can hang on the line or you can chat them in. Um, and, uh, and we'll pick up from, from here, uh, you know, Mir Hashem in a couple of days. Okay, have a good evening. Yeah. Yeah. David, yeah. Well... Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, well, I yes. Thank, thank you. Welcome. Um. So okay. So one second. Somebody just asked. Will I will I talk about Erev Pesach on Friday Shabbos? Absolutely, I will. Um. We're we're just going in order now. And now we're talking about um, we're talking about the cleaning first, and then as we move in closer to that, we will we'll get there. Okay, David, you had a question. Um, do we double wrap for Pesach? I, th- I think we're a little more machmir for Pesach as far as um, you, and, and microwave use. Um, will it work? I imagine it could work. You have to be, I mean, the, the only thing I would say about d- double wrapping for a microwave is that you have to be so completely sure that, you are, that your wrapping is hermetically sealed. That if if there's any amount of of again with with other uh, during the rest of the year we we have the concept of bittel that in case there is some drop of steam that that trafe steam that that creeps in we can say that it's bottle we could say that it gets nullified but there is no such nullification when it comes to Pesach so I would be very nervous about that uh, utilizing the microwave um, a question for Tuesday is it permissible to prepare the Haggadah on Shabbos Okay, we will, yes, Be'ezus Hashem. I'm going to write that down. Make sure to hit that. Okay. Um, anything else? Okay. Um, anybody else has anything? You can either write it in or you can unmute yourself. I don't care if you want to talk. What's the story with Suda and Shabbos? We're going to get to that. We'll have to. It's a whole. Um, it's a whole process. Can you have rice on that Shabbos? Uh, bad idea. But 
We'll talk about it. Okay. Cannot explain the Mrs. Margulis method in more detail. Yeah. Okay. So basically, there seems to be like on top of, like if you have like a, some kind of hood, there seems to be something that's like this mesh thing that after a year becomes all grimy. It's, it's full of like grimy types of stuff. So the question is, um, is one allowed to, um, uh, yeah, I, I'm not always one. How does one clean that? Like when things are mesh, they're very, like, how do you scrub it? Like it's, it's, what does one do? So, um, I just, you know, over the years I've acquired a lot, a lot of knowledge from people who know this stuff better than I do. So, um, so she says that all you got to do is don't, don't scrub it. Just take them off, take off those, those, those mesh things and, um, you just you just stick it in ammonia and just leave it there overnight, and that's it. And by just by leaving it there overnight, by the next morning, don't bother scrubbing it. By the next morning, it will be all clean. Yes, you could buy you could buy new ones, but uh, but if you don't want to, you don't have to. That's the basic idea. Okay. Um. Okay. So, um, I see, it seems like no more questions, so, uh, see you all back again in a couple of days. Thank you, Rabbi. Okay, Thanks. have a good night.